And now, Wolf Bites open mic. The Bass Jackers. I just came home actually from tour. Hey guys, this is Phoenix Paul. Hey, what's up? This is Sean Frank. Wolf Bites DJs and your favorite artists. Sophie Francis. Sophie, thanks for joining us today. Hi, super nice to join you guys. What's up, guys? This is Ahmed Van Buren. Now, open mic. Hey guys, what's up? It is DJ What The Heck here for another edition of Open Mic. And today, my guest is Nick DeWall, but better known as Afrojack. Thanks for coming on the show, man. No, my pleasure. Nice to meet you. So Afrojack's having some Wi-Fi problems, which is which is just how it is in a hotel room in Miami, is it right now? Miami, yeah. Let's sit by Miami on the water, so... On the water, straight chilling. It sounds like a good time. It is a good time. I'm uh, I'm very lucky. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm even more lucky that they're hosting our Ultra Music Festival again next year, finally, uh, next month, finally. So, are you are you going to be there the entire month then? Uh, no, no. I have uh, I've been to see Mexico this Friday, mm-hmm. and then next Friday, Ultra Melbourne, Australia. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm going from here to Mexico, then from Mexico to Milan to to be home for like three days, and then from Milan to Australia, and then from Australia I go to Dubai for like ten days, and I have a show in Israel, Bahrain, then Tomorrowland Winter in France, and then I'm back for Ultra Miami. So we're a busy month. That is a very busy month. Yeah. My goodness, how, how are you going to keep sanity with all that travel going on? Uh, I, yeah, I'm used to it. And also, I was like, fly first class. You got some like jets here and there. So right. it's, not that, it's not that bad. <laughs> not that bad. Well, you're originally from the Netherlands. Um, Rotterdam, correct? Yes. Yeah, so I assume you're a Sparta Rotterdam fan? Uh, no, we actually have Feyenoord, which is like the okay, bigger Feyenoord. club there. But, uh, but I'm not into soccer. You're not into but when, when you were when you were born there, you are like you're automatically indicted into Feyenoord. You cannot be from Rotterdam and uh, be an Ajax fan. Like Gosh. it doesn't work well on the streets. Right, soccer is a religion there. Yeah, it, it, they go hard. Yeah. Hopefully, because far enough, I think they're sitting third in the table right now. So Ajax and PSV, they'll, they'll maybe they'll get it. We'll see. <laughs> we'll pull. We'll pull for them. Hmm. So I've actually never been to the Netherlands. What would be uh, something you would recommend would be like a must do to go see for someone that would be like first time visiting? Well, like uh, Amsterdam in its whole self is like an experience. You will see mm-hmm. things you never see anywhere in the world. And in Rotterdam, uh, street life is amazing. There's so many different cultures. It's all, almost like a grand bazaar of all the, all the, all the cultures that live in Holland. So you have Indonesian, Turkish, Moroccan, uh, Middle Eastern, uh, Dutch, of course. There's also right. a very big Dutch part. And so many different foods. So Suriname, uh, I'm, I'm myself, uh, Surinamese. Mm. So there's like all these different influences, all these different foods. We have a festival in the summer called Summer Carnival, I think. Mm. We have mm. all these all these cultures coming together. And like they have food and dance and parties. It's crazy. It's definitely a big one for Rotterdam. That sounds like a very good time. I have to check that out. If I can get to the Netherlands one day, it'll be on the bucket list to go check it out. So that's cool. Um, are there any other hobbies you you enjoy? Like you you mentioned, you're gonna have three days of, of at home. Is it gonna be relaxation, like hardcore relaxation? Like no, no, no we're moving. We're moving. We're moving. 
I lived in Dubai for a while and I had a lot of stuff there and it just got shipped. Mm-hmm. So when we arrive, uh, we're moving from an apartment to a house. So we have to take all our stuff, uh, put it in there, uh, finish some painting and stuff, finish up the house essentially. Mm-hmm. And then after that, like I'm back on tour again. So I want to make sure I do it now. My wife's going to be there already. She's leaving tomorrow already. Just going to make sure she feels at home. My goodness, that that is an immensely busy schedule. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and then, then on the side, I'm I'm also doing uh, like you were talking about my hobbies. Uh, I I love gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started um, something called Team Wall last mm-hmm. year, which is essentially the same thing I do with artist development for a wall. So mm-hmm. Trying to find new talents and to help them get introduced to the music industry. We now started doing the same thing for gamers and streamers. So it's a lot of fun. So yeah, we're on Twitch all the time uh, as Team gotcha. We do events, we do tournaments, and we do a lot of gaming. Right. What's your favorite game? Um, Final Fantasy. Personally, it's mm-hmm. like uh, it's a very niche niche market. But I love. I've been a Final Fantasy fan since I'm a kid, since Final Fantasy Seven. Mm-hmm. And after that, like I think my biggest pastime is Call of Duty. Right. Right. I like Call GTA. I play GTA a lot too, but like Call of Duty is just, I don't know. It's like if you play it, like you know, when you know, right. you know. Right. I don't play FIFA, I play Call of Duty. Call of Duty instead of FIFA. I'm the FIFA guy, so I guess, all right, well, good. I can, I can get down to Call of Duty too, but. Uh, I, have, I have some uh, some friends. Actually, my 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 manager, he's uh, like, what do you call it, Division One in FIFA? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like wow. The, the highest rank. Yeah, he loves it. He, he loved it for years, but he never had time to play because he was always in tour with me. Right. And now he's been playing a little bit more. Oh, boy. Uh, now I'm going to go do Call of Duty after this. That's good. Um, <laughs> always interesting to hear the artists, where they got the name from. And uh, yours, I came to the conclusion potentially with like Afrojack saying, okay, Afro potentially with hair. The Jack side of it, I've been stumped. Where did it come from? So... There's this thing in dance music, uh, like there, there was this vocal say in the beginning, there was Jack, mm-hmm. Jack had a groove, and this was uh, on the record of uh, Mr. Fingers, like classic house track, deep house track, like from the roots. And basically, jacking in dance music is like uh, it's dancing to house music, mm-hmm. like you jack your body, it means like you're dancing to house music. Uh, they even had like at one point, they had jacking music. Like it was a little bit Chicago house, and it's like it's like a term in dance music. And then I had Afro, so I just said Afrojack, and people say, "Oh, that's a dope name." And I was like, "Cool, whatever." Like I don't <laughs> care about names. I don't really believe a name will change anything, but mm-hmm. it did. It did, and for me, it changed a lot. Oh yeah, my goodness, yeah, it was a very successful name. <laughs> yeah, that's what, like people said. Well, it's a catchy name. I'm like yeah, well, it's my name. Yeah. Yeah, only now. Maybe my hair is getting a little bit long, so I don't know if I could do the afro look, but maybe it uh, might start a, a good musical career in the DJ scene, maybe. So, you can always do the what, what do they call your hair? Like long, wavy, wavy, I wavy guess. Jack. Wavy Jack. Yeah, wavy Jack. <laughs> wavy Jack coming on the scene next. All right. 
I'll stick with it. Oh boy. Well, let's get into some tracks, shall we? I think that's going to be an important thing to discuss some tracks here from Afrojack. First and foremost on the list is one of the great flashbacks here on our station is it's our go-to song for any special occasion. It has to be played. Can't stop me with sermonology. Tell me a little bit about that track and making it. Funniest, funniest shit ever. I was just in the car, uh, like uh, driving around in Miami, and was in the car, and I heard the Tiesto remix being played on BPM. <laughs> and I have not heard the track on the radio in years, and now you're asking about it. So that's crazy coincidence. record with Shermanology, artists that uh, they were signed to well at that time. Uh, they've been independent for, what, six years already, seven mm-hmm. years, I don't know. And um, feel good record. Basically, basically t- kind of the same feeling we wanted to have again with uh, Hero, with David, the song mm-hmm. we did like two years ago. Just positivity, happiness, colorful, very colorful. It, it, it's one of our favorite tracks here, and it's probably... I, there's too many tracks to talk about. I mean, if we were doing a proper interview of Afrojack tracks, it would be instead of a four to six hour live set, it'd be a four to six hours just Afrojack right. song talk. So it's a great track. We love it here on the station. Mm-hmm. And um, another great track was No Beef with Steve Aoki, which was just celebrating an 11th anniversary here. What'd you guys do to celebrate? Well, the, we wanted to celebrate a 10 year anniversary, but COVID kind of shut that down. Yeah. I told them like they should still have called it the 10 year anniversary, even though it's the 11 years, but better marketing or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we got a lot of remixes done, mm-hmm. which was fun because we didn't have the parts, because the parts were on an old laptop. I produced a song with, with Steve in LA, and I don't have a laptop anymore. So mm-hmm. everyone had to work with only the acapella. Uh, we got some great remixes. We got uh, we got a lot of support, and for me, like the funnest part about that was to see how little has changed in eleven years. Mm. Like me and Steve, still buddies, still doing the shows. We're just ten years older, but we did not we did not change our lifestyle and our behavior like we're ten years older. Mm. That's the interesting thing. Like we started so young. I'm, I'm 34 now. And I'm still partying. I'm still doing these gigs. Um, not just playing for the people, but also partying with the people. Right. But it's amazing to see that this music is so strong and it's still alive. It's in, and like alive in such a big way. Right. Come on. Uh, doing the Aoki jump with him, I assume, getting that on 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 the on the Instagram. Yeah, that's it. That's his thing. Yeah, that- <laughs> we, yeah, we've been doing that for a long time. <laughs> Another great artist you've worked with is is David Guetta.
and your track Hero was nominated for Best Dance Recording Grammy for 2022. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So you mentioned kind of making it kind of like Can't Stop Me, Good Vibes Ask. What just what was it like putting this track together and working with David? Well, it was a bit weird because the whole hype of dance music was like everyone wanted to be underground and cool and weird. And especially then when COVID hit, like gloomy and dark, uh, mm-hmm. like uh, the business. Uh, no disrespect to the record, but like mm-hmm. it was a certain, a certain wave, you know? And we were working on this record and it was so positive and we wanted to like launch it at Ultra to really like give that energy boost, but then COVID came and canceled everything. So we had to wait with releasing the record for about a year. And then we still released it sort of too early because we thought everything was coming back and it didn't, but we were just like, oh, well, fuck it, we need this positivity right now. So we released it and the record did, uh, it did very well. Not, ne- not necessarily like in, pop radio or pop charts very well, but it did very well in dance. Everyone loved the record. All mm. our fans loved the record. And it got nominated for a Grammy. So that's mm. like, and you see the competition, like a record like The Business or the yeah. artist like Rufus the Soul, like these these guys have so much hype. They have so much success. So for, oh, well, of course, David is gigantic too. Mm. But for me, it is Afrojack to stick my head in there and say like, we're still here. It's, it's pretty yeah. cool. All the success at the time when you were recording these, obviously when we we see the headline, oh, Afrojack and David Guetta, Afrojack and Steve Aoki, Afrojack and going back to Pitbull and Chris Brown, all those, we think, oh, this is going to be a big song. This is going to be a good song. When you were making these tracks, did you think, okay, yes, this is this is going to be a great song. It's going to be big. And did you kind of have an idea that it would be as successful as it was? No, never. Never? Never. Never, never, never. Like we we do and we make sometimes we make successes. Like when I say we, I mean me and, and the team, like the managers, mm-hmm. the, the label, uh, the promoters also very important. And I, I'm not an A&R, so I cannot tell you, oh, that's a hit. Oh, that's not a hit. I just know what I think is dope. But I did learn to listen to the, the A&Rs. Mm-hmm. And Based on them, I can usually get like an idea of how successful a record will be. But to have a success like Hero or to have a success like uh, even even Anywhere With You is doing way better than, than predicted. It's like a full-on progressive record. It's like it's a full-on Dubfish-esque progressive dance record. And that shit hasn't been on the radio or hasn't been big in like 10, 12 years. Well, 10 years approximately. So to see that it does so well is really, uh, well, first of all, it's heartwarming, but it's also interesting to see the potential right now of dance music today. Because right. everyone thinks they have to do in the craze, like, oh, we have to do house crossover. We have to go Chris Lake Fisher, but it's not necessary. Like you could, if you want to get some quick hype, but it's not a necessity, you know, right. like music gets respected as music itself. So that gives a lot of opportunity to not just upcoming artists, but also like artists like Dub Vision, artists like Lucas and Steve. And like for me, it's, it's just, especially with Anywhere With You, it was just fun to be part of the journey for them. Mm-hmm. As for Lucas and Steve and Dub Vision, it's like one of their biggest records ever. And for me to be able to 
show their talent to the people that didn't know yet. A lot of people already know about their talent, mm. but the people who didn't know yet, it's like, it's nice extra. Wherever you go, you know I'd follow you, cause I'd go anywhere, anywhere, anywhere with you. Just say, let's go, I'd run away with you. Yeah, I'd go anywhere, 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 anywhere with you. So you work with Lucas and Steven Division on Anywhere With You. How did you guys uh, like come together and say, okay, let's let's do this? So I got the sound from, uh, first of all, I got the sound from Tommy Trash, which is very mm. interesting. Even though he wasn't involved with the final production, like he, he sent me the sound, like, yeah, you want to work on this. And then later I got sent the same song from the original writer. This was mm. very weird. So like, hey, you want to work on this? And like, wait, I just got this also. So it was like a little bit uh, awkward situation. This happens in music, but uh, Tommy was very cool about it. And uh, I started doing the record with uh, Dubfish and Lucas and Steve because to me it sounded like that's a, like initially it sounded like that's a Dubfish and hip. And then I made a version with Dubfish, but it was so so aggressive and powerful, like full on EDM festival mix. I said, well, it's it's amazing, but we need some. I say like softer. Uh, right, 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 right. It used to be a little bit like uh, Perfect Son in Law edition. Mm. And that's when uh, Spinning mentioned Lucas and Steve. And I said, oh, that's a great idea. So then we sent it to them and then they added their touch. And they added actually a lot of touches. They, and they added so many touches. I told them, like, yo, guys, it's too many touches. <laughs> Literally, like they sent back stems. They added like 150 stems. I'm like, oh, quiet down so uh we did and then eventually the record came about but uh yeah that's a lot of the records that that we do especially producers like we don't write ourselves mm. like the song is written by songwriters and then we produce it mm. to whatever we feel like it needs to be most most some guys write their own stuff but most right. of that though i guess it's interesting because toning it down in a way is there kind of when you're sitting down to make a track, potentially produce a track, is there that idea in your head that, okay, this is going to be club heater rager versus, okay, something that is more toned down. Is there kind of like a selection process into that or is it just kind of flow and what it is is how it comes out? It's flow, but, but it's never what, like it is what it is. Like when it comes mm -hmm. out, uh, and that's where, like, these days I do most work. I, I try to work with a lot of young and upcoming artists to give them a shot. Mm -hmm. But usually where my work excels at, or where I do the most work is all the way at the end, when it's like, okay, it's almost ready. Then you need to decide direction. What's the BPM? What's the, the vibe? Are we going to use 80 synths or are we going to use 2012 synths or trap, hip, trap hats or... 909 hats like that. there's so many different directions to choose from and that's usually where now i start my production at the end of a project uh and like the same thing i'm doing a new record with david get missy elliott mm. it's coming out soon and it was the same thing like david already had the song but he couldn't figure out the beat so he sent it to me and then i flipped the beat to what i think it's supposed to be and then he's excited and then he finishes it and puts it out and that's that's what I try to put my main focus in now instead of doing all the pre-work. The uh, 
it's always interesting to hear the collaboration styles between the artists and everything like that. And so you work with David Guetta a lot, it seems like over the years. Well, it's, it's like family to me, you know. Yeah, it's it's a family thing. Yeah. Well, let's move on to your record label, Wall Recordings. And I'm getting, I'm getting this, I'm getting the feeling of when you first founded this was kind of the idea to give a platform for other artists to kind of come on and, and give them a stage to make their music. Is that kind of what you founded it for? Uh, yeah, that was, that was the basic idea. So we found talent and brought it to the light, uh, to people. Um, it went very well. But it was not managed by me. It was managed by my back then manager. Mm. And we did not have the, the back end to take care of artists in this way. So we would bring them to light. They would become successful. And they were fucked because there was nothing to handle the success. So now I, I really started, uh, especially during COVID, I, I really emphasized my focus on creating the back end for these artists. So we recently signed Sesco, who's an amazing artist. We signed Sidney Sampson. Uh, we signed a bunch of younger producers. And we are trying to, how you say? Well, right now we're in preparation mode. But by the time we come out, like I really want people to see uh, the fans of the existing artists like Sesco and Sydney. I want them to see, like, wow, wow, really helped them. And we do that now, not just by me giving direction or me doing a collab or making one photo. It's really like we're looking at, at their product, at their music, at their presentation. Like, how is your, how is your set? How are you going to present your set? How is your visuals? Mm -hmm. Anything we can help with creatively. And then there's a whole team to actually execute upon that. So now it's like, for example, talking with Sesco, like I, because he's such a special artists with special, I think, amazing music. But I think it should also be, how you say, presented in that way, not just some guy doing a DJ set. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about how can we present you as what you really are. You're not a, just a DJ, you're like an artist, you're an act. You're, when, when you do a show, you're on the DJ booth, you're hanging from the ceiling, you're doing all this shit. Like that's what you got to put in your DJ set. That's what you got to put in your presentation. And then we also execute the presentation. So we have a team that handles uh, setting up film, setting up camera, setting up the director, doing all, all that stuff. So it's, it's really fun. I really like now I have the ability to leverage my network and my, my experience to these younger artists that not necessarily have the same experience or network. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It seems like a few a little while back, it seemed like when you would go to a DJ show, it'd be okay. It's someone with a, you know, a DJ booth and, and that was it, but it really is. It is a show when you go on stage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's what, that's what it is now. That's not yeah. what it was like uh, 15 years ago, but right. it is right. what it is now. And like, we're, we're competing with like, not just DJs, like with entertainment. Like, right. So we better be dope. You better have the fucking time of your life when you go to see us. We're lucky we have uh, people like Eric Pritz and Taylor Voss, and David Gadda, uh, Zed, doing all these elaborate production because mm -hmm. it keeps us, like, as DJs, interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, how would you feel if every show you go to is just a guy playing records with, like, three nights? Right. You'd be bored very quickly. Right. does not take you to another world. So it, I think it's our job 
being on the forefront of this industry to really try to take it to the next level always. And that's like, that's what I love personally the most about playing at Ultra uh, Ultra Miami every year. You see all these top artists bring their A game, and it's usually very impressive. Like, and I think I think all of us, like all of us, like uh, top ten DJs, like we are all watching all the shows every Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Like we put on Ultra on YouTube, and we see like what are the visuals, what are you doing, what is the lighting doing, what's happening. Oh wow, he brought that artist out. Oh wow, Steve threw a cake. Uh, whatever, <laughs> you know, like yeah. we're watching. And even though, like, you can critique, of course, you can critique Steve Aoki is just a guy throwing cakes. Mm-hmm. It's he's entertaining the whole show. He's doing the, sta- the stage diving. He's singing along. He's doing now. He's doing this thing where he plays "Lose Yourself" and he gets someone from the crowd to to rap it live. Mm-hmm. It's like it's entertainment. It, it's mm-hmm. fun. I wouldn't have necessarily do it, but it's fun. And that's why thousands of people buy a ticket. So mm-hmm. we are lucky to have someone that shows the entertainment possibilities of DJ. And then it's up to us to artistically interpret that in our own way, of course. Right. Steve Aoki throwing a cake. What do you think would be the craziest thing you've seen at one of your shows? Boops. Uh, <laughs> Thumbs but, up. Uh, yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. Well, it's like it's, it's always a fun surprise. Like, hello. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I think the the most fun, the most crazy things I did was actually with Steve when I think it was my birthday or his birthday. And we caked each other. It was like <laughs> 2012 or 2014. Like, of course, we missed two years, but I, I'm ready for some crazy shit to happen again. Yeah. I, actually, it's interesting to see. Like, you always know, like, there's this new kid on the block. Who's going to be the next Steve Aoki? Who's mm-hmm. going to take the entertainment to the next level? Mm-hmm. Who's going to ride a donkey into the crowd? I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not that creative, but <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting to see like what the future is going to bring. I think again, you're trying to give that platform to that next generation of artists that are coming up and do this. You had the um, the global remix battle one powered by PMC mm-hmm. speakers, and you selected these artists that remix your um, press play EP and the best yeah. ones, you put them out into their own EP and released it. Yeah, I gotta tell you, honestly, though, like that was fun and it, it did bring some talent to light, but it was not nowhere near I wanted to be. It was like mm-hmm. a little thing. We had like a thousand remixes, mm-hmm. but there was not enough, how you say? It was not sexy enough for for more serious producers and artists. And we didn't do that much promotion and marketing. What we're working on now is like when we do a remix battle or when we do any type of producer contest, we like we want serious people to get involved too. So if you have like a grand prize of 10K, 50K or anything like that, then like you're gonna see some talent pop up. And, and when I say talent, I don't mean people that make music for a few years. I mean like people that have been making music for years and years or that maybe already have some success, but we just don't, don't know about them yet. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one thing that's difficult when, when you do these type of things. Uh, in the remix battle, I think 80% of the stuff we got sent was people that just produced for like six months. Mm-hmm. They downloaded some samples and thought like, oh, I'm a producer. It's like, <laughs> you're, you're not a producer. You're practicing and we want you to keep practicing, but you have a lot to learn. Right. Right. 
It's interesting that you also mentioned a little bit earlier how uh, you and Steve Aoki haven't really changed much over the years. You're still partying hard at all these parties. What do you think has been the biggest change in in the EDM music scene in your years of doing this? Mm, the biggest change. House, house and tech house, house finally came back. Mm-hmm. I love it personally. I started with it uh, back in Harlem in like 2007, 2008. Like a very solid groove, uh, Switch inspired, which is like a, a mix of tech house and eclectic influences, very urban influences. And uh, yeah, that's dope. I, I think like I think like actually Skrillex with the J Balvin record uh, in the ghetto that really hit the nail on the hit the hammer on the nail like of where everything's about to go right now. Yeah. So I'm very yeah. very excited about that, and that's one thing that did not exist ten years ago. Ten years ago, everything was Afrojack, Avicii, uh, David, Black Eyed Peas. That mm. was like ten years ago. That was it. There was nothing else. And now there's like all these interesting things popping up. Rufus the Soul, Chris Lake, Fisher, yep. uh, Black Coffee, mm-hmm. uh, Eric Pritz finally getting the recognition he deserved for many, many, many years. You know, it's actually interesting. You have to imagine. I don't think a lot of people know this. Chris Lake is not a hype. Chris Lake was the hype in 2005 already when I just started producing. He was already like making dope records, but no one cared. Mm. Now it's so cool to see people finally care because this guy, he's been waiting a long time for, for his respect. Yeah. The artists that seem like they've been doing it a long time is now you, obviously David Guetta, Steve Yoki's been around, Tiesto's been around. And another it was like Paul Oakenfold, the guys that have been just doing it for years and years and years now. It's awesome to see they're continuing to uh, make these tracks. How do you think you've reinvented yourself over the years to continue doing what you're doing? I've not really reinvented myself. I, I just, I, I, sw- I shifted my focus. My focus mm-hmm. is now young artists and artist development and using what I built to basically leveraging everything I've built into new artists. Like mm-hmm. what happens if Sesco has my phone list, you know, if he has the people to call that I have to call, it changes the game. And that to me is way more exciting than another Air project record. I still do Afrojack records, but you know, I'm not I'm not planning to reinvent myself and go DJ in a helicopter and say like look at me, I'm DJing in a helicopter. I, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. Stupid. But in order to introduce new talent, that's way more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Like I love Sesco to DJ from a helicopter because he has a whole new sound to showcase. Like mm-hmm. people know me. Like when I play. I have to play takeover control and 10 feet tall and give me everything and pandy floor and no beef. Like 30 minutes of my set list is already like it's set for the fans. Mm-hmm. And then I have 30 minutes more to evolve myself, which I do, which I have fun with, but it's not my main focus. Right. 
It's interesting. We spoke with uh, Armin van Buren a few years back, and he was kind of in the similar space of, okay, it's now my time to give back. I have had what I've done, and now it's time to get you know this next generation in and and kind of give them a platform to do it as well. So that's very interesting to hear you say that. And well, yeah. I, I do got to say, I don't see it as giving it back. It's like there, there's a business model behind it, of course. Like right, one of the artists we help blows up, the company will make money too. But mm -hmm. I think the most the most important thing to see about it is that I profit too because like from the from the success not mm -hmm. not financially but just in general because if I promote Sesco and I promote the new song in my set people still sort of hold me accountable or responsible right, right. It's kind of like what you see with Alesso and Swedish House Mafia Alesso is not part of Swedish House Mafia mm -hmm. but he sort of carries like the Swedish flag and it's like so Swedish House Mafia is successful, Alesso is successful. If Alesso is successful, Swedish House Mafia is more successful. It's just, I don't know, I don't know how to define that, but right. that's sort of what happens. Interesting, the interworkings of all the behind the scenes stuff as well. That's, that's awesome to hear. <laughs> What's, that's, uh, that's my business now. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Welcome to Jacked Radio. Let's uh, shift into uh, Jacked Radio. Love it. Mm -hmm. And for all the listeners that maybe don't know what it is, what is it and where can people go to listen to it? It's a worldwide syndicated radio show and you can definitely listen on, on my Facebook and YouTube. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, I don't know where it's synced. I think it's played by 130 stations around the world. Mm -hmm. um, and we use it as a platform to bring new music to just do entertainment. Like it's a weekly radio mix where like episode 530 or something mm. somewhere around there i don't know it's a lot and, of uh, <laughs> it's a lot of episodes and it, it's never been my main focus but it it has so it has so much exposure and right. it's so nice to be able to showcase new music to people just through radio mm -hmm. really cool yeah, and we can add uh, our station Wolf Bites Radio to that list right? every Saturday night now at uh, midnight. So we're oh, amazing. jamming out. We'll be jamming out to wow. some radio. Wow, Saturday night at midnight. Thank yes. you. That's, that's a respectful spot. You mentioned uh, 10 Feet Tall earlier is another one of my favorites. And just quickly to mention it is um, one of my first trips to Washington, D.C., I was walking down the street and um, this car drove by, absolutely blasting 10 feet tall. And it was right when it first came out too. And I said, oh my God, I wow. want to hang with this guy. And so now every time I go to Washington, D.C. or drive by around D.C., it, 10 feet tall is, a, is something I'm listening to and it takes you back right to that spot. So I, it's another yeah. great track that I remember too. So that's it's awesome. Amazing. Yeah, it's great. Well, we're going to be jamming out to Jack Radio, Midnight's here on Wolf Bites Radio. And just to close here, for all the fans worldwide of Afrojack, what uh, can they expect next from you? What's in the works? Big shit. <laughs> a lot of travel. Uh, well, no, yeah. So travel, definitely. But I I've really been basically investing all my time into building record, uh, building recording studios, building the office, building the team, uh, building independent team. So I'm no longer dependent, even though we, we work in partnerships with major labels and mm -hmm. big companies, we're not dependent on them. 
So I can choose what to do for music videos. I can choose what to do for live production. And I can choose where we invest and what artists we sign. So yeah, I'm, I'm going full, full on. Like you'll see in the years, I don't know how to explain it, but we've been investing fully over the last two years since COVID started. And now finally the shit's about to come out. So I hope y'all don't like it. We're, we're going to be excited for it. I'm sure everyone is going to be very excited for it. Maybe not be, we're not going to be seeing, you know, jumping out of a helicopter or anything like that, but we're going to be stoked to see whatever it is. Uh, I might do it because it's necessary for a moment, but I won't endure <laughs> <Yeah>. it. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, Afrojack, this has been awesome. And I just want to thank you for taking some time out to come on the show, man. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Yes. All right, guys, that was the latest edition of Open Mic. It's DJ What the Heck with Afrojack, and I will see you on the next one. See you later.